Well, we're in this series, Jim, uh, who's with Metanoia Ministries, has started us into this series called The Three Greats. And we're in the last week of that, and, and uh, we're kind of following along different uh, scriptures and different things that he's uh, provided to us that the Lord's given him. And we're excited to continue on in this series, The Three Greats. And uh, it's just a great time to be a part of what God's doing. So here's something that we're going to dive into. Now, some of you are wondering, like, Nate, are you going to... You're going to put this tent together while you're up here, and I can tell you that's not going to happen, all right? So trust me. But um, there's something about at least me, okay? We're going to talk a lot about Nate. I'm not going to throw any of you in the conversation. It's just me. You can laugh at me, whatever you want to do. It's okay. But there's something about at least Nate, and maybe it's a man thing. I don't know. But when it comes to instructions, when it comes to instructions, there's either two things that are happening. One... Now, now, ladies, you can say what you want. One, we're like, we don't need no instructions. It's like, we don't need no directions. We don't need anybody to tell us where to go or how to get there. We've been there before, once before, like 20 years ago. So nothing's changed. We know how to get back, you know, right? Something about instructions. Or there's somebody in some factory or some genius somewhere that's put things together, and they think it's the most simplest thing ever. If you've ever bought furniture from Ikea... You know what I'm talking about. And if any of you've put together furniture from Ikea, God bless your soul, okay? You made it through. You survived. So somebody gave me and my kids this tent like three or four years ago, and I never put it together. It's always been in this little satchel thing, which is amazing that it fits in here, right? Okay? What's more amazing is, is that I got it back in this thing like that, all right? That's what's amazing. But What's crazy is, is I was like, all right, you know what? Finally, we dug it out. Even if it's 100 degrees, it's okay. No big deal. We're going to camp out in the backyard. Some of you have probably done that. We're going to camp out. It was a good idea until it really was 100 degrees and very humid, very humid. But here's what's interesting about the instructions. I'm not saying, some of you are like camping experts. So here are the instructions. There's four steps. That's it, all right? You can get this tent up in four steps. Step one, basically lay it out. Step two, I don't know what it's telling me, but it's telling me something. Step three, they already have it up and ready to go. They're already camping. By step three, they're camping. It's amazing. And step four, I guess they already probably grilled out and everything. They've already ate and now they're sleeping. I mean, I don't understand any of the instructions, but you can come up and look at them. And if you say, Nate, you're the craziest person I know, which won't be the last time I hear that or the first time, but... It's amazing that they think they can get this tent up in four. I'm looking online. Thank goodness for Google and, and the internet. I'm looking online trying to get it, you know, make sure it's all up and running and everything. Now, some of you kind of laugh at it, joke at it. You can um, come up here and look at it. And if you want, you can take this home. And I'll let you just put it up just for fun if you like. Or you can go to Ikea and buy furniture, whatever you want to do. <laughs> but when we think about it, sometimes that's what happens. And that's kind of these verses. We're going to go over just a few instructions that Peter gives us in these verses. And I think for Peter, literally, it's like whoever put this tent together or whoever puts Ikea furniture together. He gives us these instructions and there's a, a, a lot to unfold in all these verses. There's a lot that we're going to get to in a short amount of time. All right, I don't have a whole lot of time today, but we're going to try to get to all of it in a short amount of time. So just bear with me. We're going to kind of rapid fire through some of these. And, and, and we're going to jump a couple of different verses. But I want you to get this. But I believe, uh, or at least Nate, they kind of connected with me because I believe Peter's given us these instructions. And I believe he thinks that, you know, it's easy to do. It's so simple to do. 
And I think for some of us, it probably is. But for some of us, it's probably some of the most difficult things to do. These are some of the most difficult instructions to do. And we're kind of having fun and being silly about the four steps to put up a whole tent. And some of you, that's not a big deal. But to Nate, it was. I'm, I'm not a big camping guy. I, I just never done it really, I guess. I mean, I've camped out in the backyard. That's about it, you know. And so four steps, man, that, that confused me. You buy Ikea furniture, they just show you pictures and arrows and it's all confusing, but somebody it makes sense to. And I believe to Peter, all this makes sense, but I believe for many of us, it's complicated and we can't quite get it. And so I want you to just bear with me and kind of go through these, what I believe in these verses as we look at um, these verses that Peter wrote in in chapter 3, verses 8 through 18. And and we're going to jump through a lot of these, but I believe there's five key elements or instructions that Peter gives us for a group of believers. And we're going to jump through these rather quickly. So just bear with me and get this today. The first one is this. Believers should seek to live in harmony or unity with one another. Now for Peter, that seems very simple. But yet for whatever reason, it's hard to really see it. For whatever reason it may be, harmony and unity, to to be in one mind, for some reason it just seems that we can't always quite get there. And as we go through these five different instructions or elements for a group of believers, it's it's interesting when it comes to harmony and unity, and and it not only means that we should seek to work through discord or or, or live without it, but it calls for doctrinal unity. We must seek to have doctrinal unity in the church as we speak the truth in love. There's something about us, I don't know if it's the world today or whatever it may be, but to speak the truth in love is something that we don't do very often anymore. And instead of allowing to speak truth in love to bring us together, for some reason, it tears us apart. And I don't know all the reasons for it. We could go down a list and some of you know of some of those reasons yourself. But listen to what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. This is the English Standard Version. Listen to this. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. I love that. For building up the body of Christ. Unity, one in mind, to be together, harmony, until we all attain the unity of faith and of knowledge and of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed in to fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness or deceitful schemes. We're so good at letting, whether it's the enemy or people or whatever it is, to allow this human cunning or craftiness to get in our way, to cause us to not be one in mind, to cause us not to live in harmony or unity. But listen to this in verse 15. Rather speaking the truth in love. We do good about speaking about others when they're not present. We do great about speaking about others when we know that there's no consequences. But to truly go to somebody and speak the truth, but not just speak the truth, speak it in what? Love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. 
from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part, get this now church, when each part is working properly, when we have unity, when we have harmony, when we are together, it makes the body grow so that it builds up itself in what? Love. But for whatever reason, whether it's because of our own things, these simple instructions for Peter, they're simple, they're easy, but for whatever reason, we've made them complicated. You could say it's because of sin, it's because of other things. We've made them complicated, and we have no harmony or unity, and the people that are not saved, the people that don't know Christ, they're looking for an answer. They're looking, and unfortunately, many times, they can't find if the church people can't get along then why would I want to be a part of it? If there's no harmony or unity in the church, why would I want to be a part of it? And I'm guilty. Like I said, I'm not going to throw you into it. I'll at least throw myself into it today. I know I'm guilty of this, of not speaking truth and love, guilty of not having the harmony and unity at times that we need to have. And so the only question I'm asking you is, how is God calling you to help the church to have harmony and unity and the same mind today? And I wish I could tell you maybe all what that looks like and all the steps. I don't know, but I do know where to go and I know it's in here and I know he can lead us, guide us and direct us. And I think what happens is it's just like what Peter's telling us. For Peter, these are simple instructions, but yet for us, they're so complicated at times. And it's like these little things of whoever put the instructions on this tent, they thought it was the easiest thing ever to put it together, but it was so hard for me. We're going to go through these rather quickly, so just kind of bear with me. We're going on to number two as we go down in these verses and we break these verses down. The second one is this. Believers should be sympathetic. Believers should be sympathetic. Unity of mind and sympathy. To share the same feeling. This is very important, to be sympathetic, to have sympathy. I think for many of us, and, and there's going to be a challenge in here, at least for Nate, I think for many of us, we are pretty good at showing sympathy. We're pretty good right now that most of us can say we have sympathy for our friends in the Bahamas. We can understand and know that that's somewhat of an easy thing to do, to show that sympathy, to be there for ones that are mourning and through their losses and they're struggling. But here's the thing. Do we show sympathy also, not just through the mourning or through the losses, but do we enjoy and show sympathy through the victories? It'd be very easy to be detached from the rest of the church, especially if one's experiences was different from others. This happens every day in our churches that we don't always show the sympathy. So how should a body work with sympathy? It's how a family should work. I love this and I thought about this. When a body is sick, the rest of the members of the body recruit one another to help in the healing process. If you think about this, listen to this. This is what a fever does to our body. The body is responding to a sickness in order to heal itself. Right? I mean, I'm not a medical profession, but I think that's somewhat right and accurate. 
Do we do the same in the church body that when one of us are struggling, when one of us are going through, when one of us, or do we love to do what many of us do at times when they're down, we just kick them down even further? Oh, it's about time they got what they deserved. Do you know what they said about me that one time? Well, play dangerous game, win dangerous prizes. You ever heard that saying, you know? And for many of us, it's saying, and what Peter's saying to us here is that we must be sympathetic, but there's something in this challenge that I love, and it comes out of Romans chapter 12, verse 15, what Paul says. And I think that that's what I want to make sure you guys connect with this today. It says this in Romans 12, 15, Paul's saying this, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Do we show sympathy when we, do we show rejoice when we see others get something that we wish we could have had? Do you rejoice with others? Do you mourn with others who are hurting? I think it's interesting that when it comes to this and show sympathy or show even this love, and we're going to get to that in a minute, but it's amazing when somebody has something good happen to them, how we react. Because most of the time, why? Because we want it to happen to us. We don't show any sympathy. Like, oh, you mean to tell me that crazy lady got the promotion and not me? How in the world did that happen? I can't believe the so-and-so. I can't believe that they're the ones that got that. And many times in a body, back to unity and back to harmony, many times what happens is, is this, is we see something good happen to somebody and there's not one, one drop of happiness, rejoice, one drop of sympathy and saying, you know what, I love that you're doing that. I love that you're going through that. It's usually saying, oh man, why did they have to get it? And now, guess what? It's all over Facebook. Everybody's telling them, great job. Everybody, just, okay, just Nate, got it. <laughs> just Nate's been through that, right? Why is it that when our brothers and sisters, whether it's going through something, that's a side point a little bit when you're talking about sympathy, but it goes with it. Why is it that when we see one of our brother's sisters down at times, if they've wronged us or they've done something that we don't agree with, you know, somebody posts something or somebody says something and, and then something happens to them, what is it most time we say? Oh, they got what they deserved. Back to harmony and unity. I think for many of us, we don't show any sympathy. We don't show any love in that. And that's going to go on to our next point here in just a minute. But I'm going to ask you, I got to get through these rather quickly. I'm so sorry. How is God calling you to be sympathetic today? And I'm rushing, I know, but our time here is short. The third one is this. Believers should respond by loving one another. I could just stop right here. We could call it a day. We could just pray. Many of you know these verses, but I'm going to challenge you with something that was challenged me a long time ago. Maybe you've heard this before as we go through these different points. But Peter's saying that we should love one another. Obviously, it's all through Scripture. 
But these simple instructions that Peter gives us, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, you've heard it at every wedding you've been at. Some of you have, have it memorized, but I want to just take a little bit of a twist on it today, and I want you to get this, and I want you to hear this. I want you to take this and take note. Let me just read it. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. The English Standard Version right there, I love that. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices what? With the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. How well do we live this out? And you're saying, Nate, what do you mean? Let me try something that I believe that was challenged to me years ago and I try my best, but I'm going to talk about Nate for a minute just so you know. I'll put my name in there. But I'm going to challenge you with this. Everywhere that it says love or the word it, put your name in that place. So I'll start with me, but you can do it if you want. Nate is patient. We better stop right there. (laughs) Because if one more person pulls out in front of me or goes slow on that fast lane, I'm telling you right now, Lord, just take me home, please. Just take me home. I know it's a Florida thing, but I think it's also a Vero Beach thing. Just don't say. Being funny, but. I've asked God to help me to be patient many times. And not just when I'm tired and my kids are going crazy. But patient when I'm waiting on an answer from the Lord. I wish I could say, Nate is patient. I think at times I do okay. Other times probably not. Nate is kind. Because you'd have to ask other people that. Nate does not envy, Nate does not boast, Nate is not arrogant. Okay, now, make sure you put your name in there. I'm the only one, but throw your name in there whenever you want, all right? Nate is not arrogant, Nate is not rude, Nate does not insist on his own way. Wow. Nate is not irritable or resentful, and so on, and so on, and so on. I challenge you. I was challenged years ago, a long time ago, to put my name in where it says love or the word it. And I'm telling you, it's been something that's stuck with me ever since. And I, could, I wish I could tell you that every day that I live to that scripture and I love people the way we should love, but I know I fail daily. But Peter's instructions to love one another. Why do we as the church mess it up? Why do we get so impatient? Why are we unkind? Why do we boast? Why are we arrogant? Why are we rude? Why do we want it our own way? Why are we irritable? Why are we resentful? Why? 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 These five simple instructions that Peter's given us. I got a lot to get to. I'm so sorry. I got to go through this. Here I thought, I even told my wife, I said, this is going to be one of the shortest messages ever. (laughs) Should have never said that. 
I hope that you take that challenge. Not because I think anybody here is not loving, right? That's not what I mean. I'm just saying I know what it did for Nate. Number four, believers should respond to one another with compassion. We're going to jump through it just real quick. I love this because this is actually a physical word. It speaks of the inner bowels of a person. It it means to be moved so much by a situation. It's kind of like what we've been doing with with the Bahamas. We want to respond. It it takes action. Uh, It's a feeling, but it's into an action. It's more than sympathy. It's compassion that compels us to respond. We see this often with Christ. I love this um, in, in Matthew 14, 14. This is after John the Baptist is beheaded. And it says this about Jesus. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Christ was moved when he saw the crowd that it began to heal their sick. It was an act he had compassion we should feel the same way with our members of our church when they're struggling when they're in pain we should show compassion on them not just beat them down while they're down but lift them up be there for them rejoice when they rejoice mourn when they mourn it doesn't do so much to feel the pain and not respond we should be moved in such a way that we respond with action today church how is God calling you to show compassion in the church today and I I want you to get that today, but I'm not going to spend much time. We're going to go to number five right away. I want to get to this. Number five, believers should respond to one another with humility. Now get this today. This is important. Number five is very important. In a church, there are relationships that are going through discord. It is necessary for members to be humble and to humble themselves before one another because it is pride that is the root of almost all disputes. Get that. Because why? Let's go back to love. Because what? It does not insist on its own way. Nate does not insist on his own way. So pride roots itself. We feel disrespected. We feel not cared for. And our pride rises up anger. We feel like no one hears us. Our voice is not being heard. And so what does it just kind of well up in us? It wells up pride. And Peter's given us these simple instructions to be humble, to have humility. But for many of us, the pride is bigger and stronger. When we humble ourselves and enables us to lower ourselves in order to work, listen to this, for peace and the good of the whole. Got pretty quiet. In order to work for peace and the good of the whole. And I know a few weeks back we talked about the whole me disease and all that. I'm not getting back into that. But listen to what Paul tells the Philippians who were, who were struggling with the vision Philippians chapter 2, verses 2 through 3. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of what? One mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but what? In humility, count others more significant than yourself. Woo! Man. Just knock us over the head with the word of God today. 
Paul's encouraging members of a divided congregation to care more about others than their good themselves and most of all their pride. He says, consider the interest of others. They are not quick to become angry, even when they're wronged, even when no one, when you don't think they've been hurt, even when I want it my way because they care more about the others than themselves. Believers must be humble in their relationships with one another. Listen to this church today. These five attitudes are necessary to have in the church, especially when we're going through hardship and division and persecution. The enemy prowls around like a roaring lion. And these instructions to Peter seem so simple, but we mess it up so much. Trials often reveal the ugly in our hearts. If you went through a trial personally or you went through a trial with your family, and if you've never went through any of those things, God bless you and that's great. But trials often reveal the ugly in our hearts. And therefore, when going through them, we must seek to respond with these godly attitudes instead that Peter has given us here. We must respond with these instructions. We must respond with these instructions that Peter has given us. We must take these five key elements to say, this is what a body of believers look like. So when people ask and they want an answer what it looks like, we can tell them. But not only can we tell them what, folks, we can show them. We can show them. what love looks like. We can show them what compassion looks like. We can show them what sympathy looks like. We can show them. So which attitude is God calling you to work on most and how will you seek to improve it? There's a lot here and we just bear with me. I wanna just jump through a couple of verses that we went through in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses nine through 11. We did eight through 18. There's a lot of verses to jump through here, a lot of verses to get through, but listen to this. What Peter says, starting in verse 9, do not repay what? Evil for evil or reviling for reviling, which means insult, anger. But on the contrary, bless. Oh, man. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Verse 11, get this, and I pray this for Pathway Church in a special way today. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Get this second part. Let him seek peace and pursue it. That spoke to me this past week. Let him seek peace and pursue it. So what does this look like? I want to just kind of wrap this up, and I want you to get this, and we're going to share one more verse. So what does this look like for Pathway Church, a group of believers? There's a book that some of us pastors, I think Pastor Chanta gave it to me, and he may have even shared this before, I don't know, but some of us pastors have read this book, and it's called The Cure, and I love this out of this book that I believe is what Peter's instructing us, and as a group of believers in this Pathway Church, listen to this, and I love this quote from this book. I'm going to read it several times. 
And it should be on the screen, but if it's not, I'll read it a couple times anyhow and just listen to this. What if there was a place so safe that the worst of me could be known and I would discover that I would not be loved less, but more in the telling of it? What if there was a place so safe that the worst of me could be known and I would discover that I would not be loved less, but more in the telling of it? Folks, there is a place. And we shouldn't even have to have that question. It should be this place. It should be Pathway Church that we live out these instructions that Peter has given us. And it should be a place that no matter who, what, the worst of all of us should be known and we should be better for telling of it. Because we show sympathy, we show compassion, we show love, we show all these instructions that Peter has given us. We show unity, harmony. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15. As we read through these verses and as Shelley read so wonderfully for us today. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense, give an answer to anyone who asks you for a reason, listen to this, for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. I know I've went past my time. The worship team's gonna come and they're gonna get ready. I wanna share something with you that is the worst of Nate, but hopefully will be better for the telling of it. And I hope it opens the door that not only we work on these instructions and these five key elements, but not only that, but that we will become a church, that we'll become a place, no matter what's happening, no matter what's going on, and the discord, and the all the stuff, I mean, I, we could just keep going down a list, right? That we could go to these key instructions that's so simple for Peter to tell us. It's like putting this tent up. Somebody thought it was easy to do it in four steps, but not Nate. Here's what I believe, and I want to tell you a personal story. Excuse me, though. Something I didn't realize. When I got saved, I gave my life to Christ and asked him to forgive me of everything. And it was a beautiful day. But there was something I didn't realize and didn't know that was going on in my life for years. I couldn't do a lot of these instructions for years because of some things that I never truly took care of. And so I'm going to be as transparent as transparent as can be with you. And it's hard for me to speak, but I want to share it. And I hope it speaks to whoever needs to hear it today. And I believe this, I'm sharing this because I couldn't love the way Peter's talking about love. I couldn't be in unity the way he's asking me to be in unity. I couldn't show compassion. I couldn't show sympathy because I didn't let go of certain things. I was saved. But I don't believe, and this is a whole other lesson for another day. I don't believe I was 
sanctified. I don't believe I was pursuing holiness to be set apart. I was saved and I was forgiven my sins and sanctification, that's a big word and we can talk more about that another time, but there came a point where it came in my life to I wanted to be set apart and to become holy and to be sanctity in him. But there was something and, and for whoever this may be and I'm just spewing it out that I would be loved more for the telling of it. But I believe somebody needs to hear it. Because I believe the reason we're having so much discord, I believe the reason why there's so much and then people can't love the way we should love, we talk about others because of insecurities in our own life. We bring others down. We don't want unity because we're afraid to get close to other people. That's just a neat thing. So let me tell you what I had to go through. I shared this with our students a while back, just a few weeks back. And so for whatever reason, God knew I was speaking today and I'm sharing it. And we all have a story. Many of you have lived a harder life than me. I'm just sharing my part. For whatever reason, God allowed me to live in a home where we grew up super poor. Really, there's a lot of times we didn't even know we were poor. You know, you just, you live in it. And not poor like you don't have cable poor. Standing in line for food poor. If you've never had to do that, don't judge those people, please. But there was something I never let go of that the enemy hid in my heart. Saying you're never gonna be any more than just a poor kid. I believed that for a long time. I couldn't show love because I truly hadn't accepted all the love from our Heavenly Father. Because I believed a lie for a long time that I was just a poor kid. I was never gonna be any more than that. There's another lie that I believed for the longest time. And in that lie was, was this, is that my father who, when we were young, he, he lived a rough life. He didn't know the Lord. If you've ever seen the movie, I can only imagine. That would be my life in some ways, if you've ever seen that story. And the father in that story would be how I would compare my father to that. Thankfully, my father came to know the Lord, turned his life around, and we had some of the best years for, for a few years of my life before the Lord took him home early. Some of those few years, my teenage years before he passed, I was 17 when he passed, and, and those were some of the best years, but there was something that happened when I was young, and just being transparent, there was a lot of physical abuse. For the longest time, I felt like Nate couldn't make mistakes. I had to be perfect because if we weren't perfect at home, we got it. And those are painful times, I'm just going to tell you. Forgave my father. Father asked for forgiveness. It was good. We got it right. But it's amazing from those simple things 
of when I was a kid that held deep in me that I could never release for the longest time until it came to a moment where I said, Lord, will you sanctify me? I want to be holy. I want to be just in your presence. Will you take this from me? You say, Nate, why do you share that? I share that because I couldn't do these instructions that Peter's telling me to do because of things that happened to me when I was a kid. I couldn't love well. Because I thought I was just a poor kid and I was going to be nothing more. I couldn't let others in well because I was afraid if I made a mistake, they're going to do something towards me. Isn't that crazy? that's what the enemy will do. Now, maybe that's just Nate. Maybe none of you. But here's what I'd like to have happen. I believe pathway, there would come a moment when some of us like that quote, when we got real enough to share the worst of ourselves, the hurts, the pain, whatever that may be, I'm just being transparent. I'm just sharing with you for whoever needs to hear it. But what if the worst of us came out and maybe because the worst of us came out, it made us the best. It made us what Peter's trying to tell us. Maybe it came a point, now I know the reason that you're talking about me is because of the hurts that have happened to you a long time ago. The reason you feel you can't come and share things with me is because of something that's happened to you a long time ago. Then we understand each other a little better. Then we become unified. Then we can understand harmony. Then we can understand compassion. Then we can understand sympathy. Then we can understand what? Love. But it has to come to a moment where we have to maybe show the worst of us and say, Lord, I give you the worst of me. Will you take it? Nate, brother, sister, whoever it may be, here's my story. Here's the worst of me. And now I want you to make it into the best. And maybe, just maybe, God can take all that and unify Pathway Church, a group of believers like never before. And what does it say in Scripture? That maybe we could see something more than we could ever think imagine that he could do in this place. I believe that's why we mess all these instructions up. And I believe that there comes a time and a place. But I believe there's a whole world and community saying, give me an answer why it is that you have hope and Jesus and you can say because here's the worst of me and not only did he make it the best but because I shared it other groups of believers came alongside of me and showed me harmony and unity and showed me compassion and showed me sympathy and showed me love and because of that that's why I have the hope in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you as you respond today. And if anybody's been through anything and you want to talk, please talk. But if you need to pray, will you please pray to the one that is willing and ready to hear? He already knows the worst of you. But sometimes we have to be open enough to share with others so we can understand and we can become unified.
let's stand. And as we stand, I went way over my time. I'm so sorry. Would you respond how the Lord would want you to respond today? And give an answer for the hope we have in Jesus Christ. And that we can take these five elements, these five instructions, and live them out as Pathway Church. Bless you today. If there's something you want to give back to God, if what Nate was saying, the Holy Spirit pierced your heart and there's something that you need to give to Him. We want you to come forward and give that away, whether it's by yourself or with some prayer partners over here that's available to you. Don't hold on to it and don't take it with you. Let's sing together. In Christ alone my hope is found He is my light, my strength my song this cornerstone, this solid ground, burned through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all.
Lord, sanctify us in this moment as you already have been working and moving. Spirit, move. Convict us, encourage us, counsel us. Bring us to the place of realization of the things we need to give to you and let go of. It's so hard, Lord. There could be years and years of bondage that needs to be given back to you. I pray that as we end this corporate service together, that that wouldn't end the time of your conviction and your encouragement and your strength and your grace as we think through and ponder the things we've held on that we need to give back to you. We want to be more like you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you for your promise. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, church.